mission being the heart of God. And if you will turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verses 1 to 20. This is what it says in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you for the, workers, the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is ever, whatever is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me, uh, but he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And if you'll just turn across with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll read from verse 19 to verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19 to 23. Paul writes, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I, become, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, 
though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Great words from Paul. And let's pray together as we continue to worship God and prepare ourselves to hear from his word. Let's pray. God, it's good to be in your house. God, on this day, we want to thank you for the call of us to go and to share your good news. Uh, God, we thank you for the way in which you've changed our lives. And this morning, as we gather together, we rejoice in that. We want to worship you. But God, we realize that this is not the end of the story. You want us to reach other people and to share your good news with others. So God, today, we, we just want to say, Lord, speak to us. Uh, challenge us. God, we want to have the heart for people that are far from you that you have. And God, this morning as we gather, we just want to pray uh, for those that are in the midst of uh, suffering this morning and in the midst of war. We lift up the situation in Israel and Palestine. And God, we would pray for those that are uh, in conflict and so many uh, losing their lives at this time. God, we would pray that the conflict would not escalate uh, further with, with rapid loss of life. And God, we would pray for those uh, innocent people on either side that are caught in the midst of, of this wartime. Oh God, we would ask that uh, you would intervene and that this would not escalate. God, we want to pray for those that have been hit again in Indonesia with this as another tsunami. We just think of the suffering and the hardship again on this country and we would just lift up our hearts and pray for them. God, we want to pray for Vera as well. We don't know where she is, but we can just assume that she'll be right there helping out again uh, with the people there. And we want to pray for Simon Diet too, who's, who's over in Indonesia at this time too. God, we, we do want to pray for those that are sick, and we just ask that you would be strengthening them and comforting them this morning. God, we pray for those that are uh, recovering um, from operations, those that are facing operations, those that are having treatment for cancer, those that are sick in all different ways. And God, we just lift them up right now in our hearts. And maybe in these moments of quietness, you just lift up those that you know and pray for them. Oh God, only a God like you are worthy of our praise. And we just want to say this morning, God, that we want to live our whole lives for you. Everything that we have, we want to give to you and lay our lives before you. And as we continue to um, praise you and worship you this morning and continue to, to open our lives to you, God, change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I'm not sure if that was a good thing to move that. The lights are right in my eyes now, but that's fine. That's a great hymn, isn't it? I remember some years back, back in the uh, back in the 70s, I was a youth pastor at Dallas in Broadmeadows, and uh, it was one of those difficult times in my own life. And I 
Gone up to Sydney to research some youth work going on, very alone and uh, a sense very lost. There were a number of issues going on in my own life and uh, I'd almost come to the point where I was ready to lay down the commission, to step away. Had enough. And I was driving out to a youth centre one morning, had the, uh, the radio on in the car, in the rental car, and just before 11 o'clock, I remember it vividly, they played Amazing Grace. And it was as if the Holy Spirit was really speaking personally to my own heart and calling me back. And the song finished and, and I just sort of closed up and, and, and in a sense rejected that overture of the Holy Spirit to my own heart. The news came on, a new announcer came on and opened his program and he played Amazing Grace again. Um, in, in, in the light of about 10 minutes, it had been played twice and it was as if the Holy Spirit just came to me again and uh, called me back. So it has a very uh, special place in my own heart, that song. Jonathan, thank you for your welcome this morning. Um, it is a privilege to be, uh, to be here with you and to have the opportunity to bring the Word of God to you. <clears throat> I do bring you the greetings this morning of your brothers and sisters of the whole Baptist family. I bring uh, Alan Maher, our Director of Ministry, I bring his greetings to you. He would love to be here. And also Graham Francis, our, our President. As Jonathan was saying, uh, my uh, role covers the eastern half of Victoria. It's sort of, uh, when I describe it to people, I talk about it starting right here at Albury Wodonga, going uh, down the highway and it's everything east except that I've got uh, Shepparton and Kyabram and another church in Ballarat on the other side. Uh, when it gets to Melbourne, it's from Springvale Road, not the crossway side, the other side, out, out to Lakes Entrance and down to uh, uh, Wanthaggy and Phillip Island. So it, uh, it covers quite an area. I do something like uh, about a thousand kilometres a week. Um, but my role is one to stand alongside of pastors and leaders to encourage them to be there for them. And I find at this stage of my ministry that that is a real joy. That's a real privilege to be able to do that. God has given me a wonderful opportunity over many, many years to lead. And now it's my opportunity to stand beside those and encourage those who are in leadership. One of the big challenges and part of my role is to encourage leaders and uh, leadership groups in a church in their mission, in their outreach. And so that's why I'm speaking on mission, the heart of God, this morning. So often the church today has a fortress mentality. So often we expect the world just to come in and that's honestly, that's just not where it's at. So I'm thankful to God for the uh, privilege that I have and I'm just so glad to be with you this morning. Let's pray. And loving God, I'm aware of those words in Psalm 46 where we're encouraged to be still and know that you are God. My life and our lives are just so filled with activity, with action, with noise, with things to be done.
We pray now as we are still and as we wait in this place, we pray, our loving Father, we pray that people may not hear the voice of Kevin Forbes, but they may hear your voice, the quiet voice of your Holy Spirit, the voice of your Holy Spirit that calls us to Jesus, the voice of your Holy Spirit that encourages us and challenges us and lifts us up. Maybe, may we be aware of his voice this morning that draws us to you, we pray. Amen. Some time back, somebody sent me this little email. It was a little story they got and they were passing it on. During my second month of nursing school, our professor gave us a quiz. I was a conscientious student and had breezed through the questions until I read the last one. What is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? Surely this was some kind of joke. I'd seen the cleaning woman several times. She was tall, she was dark-haired and in her 50s. But how would I know her name? I handed him a paper leaving the last question blank. Just before the class ended, one student asked if the last question would count towards our quiz grade. Absolutely, said the professor. In your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. I've never forgotten the lesson. I also learnt that her name was Dorothy. Mission, the very heart of God. The Baptist Union's ministry team, our mission statement is this, to help Victorian Baptists share the love of Jesus with everyone. Mission is something that is very important to us as Christians and to us as Baptists. For us, May is Mission Month when we look at the work of Global Interaction and we support what they are doing both here in this land and overseas. From my birth as a Christian, mission has been very important. I came to know Jesus when I was 18. I was in Bible college at uh, 20. And in those early years, I can remember that, that mission was something that was just... Uh, was, was there all the time, every week at Bible College, at Adelaide Bible Institute, we would have missionaries come. My wife reminded me some time back that she'd come across an old, uh, an old letter that I'd written to her from, uh, from Bible College where I'd talked to her about something that was stirring in my own heart about perhaps uh, when we got married going out to Japan. I'd forgotten all about that. But I know that later... In our, in our last year at Bible College, we felt very much drawn to be involved in mission overseas and to go out and work in India, to work on the border of India and Tibet amongst refugees who were coming out at that time. And we had been accepted by the Evangelical Alliance Mission, an American mission to go and work there. Because I was only just 22 when I finished Bible College and most of my Christian life had been lived in a Bible College, I wrote to the mission and said, would you give us a couple of years uh, perhaps to gain more experience in the world back here at home before we go overseas and perhaps get a church where I could pastor? And they wrote back and said, that would be a great idea. And so we found ourselves at the little Baptist churches of Coroit and Grasmere just outside of Warrnambool. 
The only problem was that in two years the political situation changed enormously in India. American missions were no longer really welcome to that country and the door seemed to close. And as we prayed and thought about it, the door just simply seemed to be closed to overseas mission. We had basically, I think, been taught or, or maybe it was an impression that we got at Bible College that to go overseas was number one, to stay at home was a distant number two. And yet that door seemed to close to go overseas and we really felt that the Lord was calling us to, to stay here and be involved in, in ministry. Well, I have to say that mission has continued to be on my heart, both here and abroad. I had many, many years serving the Victorian Committee of the ABMS and with them was privileged to go on three occasions to Bangladesh and to a number of their other mission fields. But I need to go on and say that in the last two and a half years I've been privileged to witness some of the, some really great missionary endeavour here in Victoria. Mission is not only overseas, it's right here. If I could take you across the mountains this morning to Lakes Entrance and to, to Bensdale and introduce you to a wonderful lady, a wonderful Koori lady called Kath Solomon and let you hear her story of how she is reaching out to the Kuris right through that area, how difficult, how hard it is, how to gain an inch just seems to take so much. But you would catch, I think, something of the heart of God, something of the heart of God for mission. I could take you to Corumbara, a little church that struggled and yet as you sit with them and listen to them, you hear their heart for mission, their heart that caused them to reach out to those who were suffering from depression and to open their church just to have a seminar on, on depression and to, to find their little church just absolutely packed with people and that outreach that that has given them to reach out to these people. I could take you to other churches in Victoria in our area this, <coughs> today who have a vision for church planning and who have done it and who have seen people come to know Jesus. Lilydale at this moment is, is, is really praying about the area of Yarra Glen which is opening up and growing and, and just blossoming and there's really, there, as far as an evangelical church there, there's nothing there at Yarra Glen at this time. But then, you know, I get excited when I come here to Aubrey and Wodonga. I get excited because of the regional approach of this church and, and the heart of this church to, to reach out and see people come to Jesus. And this, to me, is mission work. You see, mission is taking place overseas. It is taking place amongst the Garos and the Bengalis in Bangladesh and God is in it. Mission is cross-cultural. It's reaching out to people's groups right across China and as we hear the stories coming out of China of what's happening to the Christian church in that land, we simply fall on our knees with thanksgiving to God because there is such a, a move of the Spirit of God and God is obviously there and in it. But mission is taking place this morning in Lakes Entrance in Bensdale. It's taking place in a little group of kids as Kaf Solomon sits with them, Kuri kids, and, and shares the gospel. 
mission is taking place at Kurumbara. <coughs> Excuse me, where just a handful of people are reaching out to those in need. A mission is taking place right here, right here this morning at Wodonga. You see, as we come to, our, as we come to the Bible, we find in, in the book of Acts, where we read these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, which is home and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But it starts there at home. A mission is taking place right here. In the story that we had read to us from Luke's Gospel, the story of the mission of the 72, we have one of the early mission endeavours of the church, of the people of the way. And I find every time I look at this passage, I find that it's so relevant because it answers three questions for me this morning and they're very valid and important questions. Why are we here? What is our work? And what results are we looking for? And in the time we've got this morning, I just want to address those questions. Why are we here? What is our work? And what results are we looking for? Why did the 72 go out on mission? Well, in Luke 10 and verse 1 we read, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out. The Lord appointed, the Lord chose. <coughs> Excuse me for coughing into this mic. I'm well aware of that. I'm just on the end of a, of a heavy chest cold. But the Lord appointed and chose. And we don't know how he did it. We don't know whether one by one he went over to people and he put his hand on their shoulder and he said, look, I've got something for you to do. I've got a mission endeavour, a team that I'm building. I'd like you to go out. We don't know if he said to some of his disciples, look, you go and pick the people who you believe are the right people to do this. We don't know. All we know, all Dr Luke tells us in his gospel is that the Lord appointed, he chose. He did it. He did it. So why are we here? Why were they there? They were there first and foremost because they were chosen. Secondly, they were there because there was a work to be done. There was a mission field. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful but the labourers are few. There was a mission field. They were called to a task. And what was their work? As we go down through the passage, we see this explained for us as well. We are firstly told in verse 2 that their work was to pray. Now, some people get a little bit rattled when I talk about prayer as being work. Let me be the first one to confess that prayer is work for me. It's discipline for me. I've had the privilege of being a pastor for many, many years and I thank God for those who have got an intercessory gift of prayer in the life of the church. But I know this morning that as I look out upon you that it's not all of you who have got that gift this morning. That there are some of you who have got that wonderful gift and for you prayer is just so important. Prayer meetings announced and you're first there. For many of us prayer is a discipline. We have to work at it. I love meeting with the people of God and praying with them. But continually in my own life it has been a discipline that I've needed to work at. And the first uh, work that these people were given was to pray, to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to pray. Secondly, we are told in verse 9 that they were to heal the sick. 
The healing ministry has always been a central part of the message of the kingdom. It was always something that was on the very heart of Jesus, right? As we, as we read through the gospel pages, we, we regularly find him either praying for people or going somewhere to pray for someone or just leaving it. It seems that the pages of the gospel are filled with, with Jesus praying for people, praying for those who are sick. And we, within the church, are called to do that. I'll come back to that in a moment. They were also, in verse 9, told that they were to proclaim the message of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God has come into your midst. That to accept him is to find life, to reject him is to reject the one who sent him. It's a very clear message that they were given in Luke 10. I think sometimes today we have watered down that message, but in Luke 10 it's a very, very clear message. What were the results? Well, we're told in verse 17 that they came back and they simply were rejoicing. They were rejoicing because they'd seen the Spirit of God at work. They were full of it. I remember some time back that uh, I went on a mission tour with Jack Simmons from North Blackburn. He took a group of us into Indonesia where, where we took a number of... Uh, a number of evangelistic missions in, in major cities but also out in the rural areas. And each morning after the night before we would meet together as a team to pray together and to share. And I've never forgotten those mornings as people shared how people the day before had responded to the gospel. And it was a powerful moving time. I guess this is what happened here. They, they came back and they just were full of it. Lord, we saw, we saw your spirit at work. We even saw demons flee. And it seems to me that Jesus at this point stops them. And basically he says, well, that's great. But rejoice even more that your names are written in the book of life. And I believe that what Jesus is saying to them is, if you know why you're here, if you know what your work is, and you go out and do it, you can leave the results. You can leave the results in my hands. This New Testament missionary endeavour, I believe, is very relevant to us today. And I believe that these three simple questions, honest questions, are relevant to us today. So let's apply them this morning. If I had time this morning, I'd like to apply them, first of all, simply to the church, and, but then to apply them to each of us as individuals. But I'll do both together. Why are we here? If we had time this morning and I was able to take a roving mic and go around to each one of you and ask you why you were here this morning, I'm sure that we'd come up with many answers and most of them would be fine, if not all of them. Some of you would say, I'm here because it's something that I've been doing for a long, long time. It's a habit. And I would say it's a great habit. Keep it up. Some would say this morning I'm here because, uh, because mum and dad expect me to be here and I'd say good on your mum and dad and keep coming. Some would say I'm here this morning because I, uh, I just knew that my friends would be here and it's one time that I can catch up with them and there's something wonderful in friendship and I'd say that's fine. But at the end of the day, to those answers, I'd also say, that's not enough. That's not enough. 
Why are you here? I believe you should be here this morning firstly because you sense that you are called to be here. You sense that this is where God wants you. You know, we have this wonderful thing within our Baptist churches and, and, and it's right and proper in that, uh, and you did it. When Graham Smith resigned as a senior pastor, you set aside a group of people to search for another person, for another man who would come and lead you. And you waited, you prayed, and then you started to interview and talk to people and you, you were looking for a marriage to take place in which you would sense that it was right to call this person and they would sense it was right to come and that marriage would be there. And it was very important to you, and it's right and proper, very important that they believe that this is where God wanted them. You really wanted that of Jonathan and Mandy, you expected that. But you see, my question is, why is that right for them but not exactly the same for each one of us. You should be here today because you believe this is where God wants you. This is your spiritual home. In the city, we've got a lot of what we call uh, spiritual butterflies. They sort of flap around and they go from one place to another. And if one church is not meeting all their needs, they'll flap off and go somewhere else. And it'll be fine for a little while, but there's a lot of options. And I, I, that gets me. I, I get really sad about that. And you know, I think that uh, part of the answer to that is this real sense of uh, where do you believe God wants you? Because when you believe that God wants you in a certain place, you believe that he's called you, you don't move until he calls you away. I remember one day... Um, I was ministering at Knox and at Knox we, we, we met in a, in a factory um, that we, we'd, we'd done up and changed. It was quite lovely really. But Knox was a very young church, full of young families, full of kids, full of babies. It was a very noisy church, a very loud church. And uh, I remember one day a guy from a past walked in had a nice suit on and tie. I think he was probably the only one with a tie on. And I thought, well, I don't know what sport John here, but he won't be back. <laughs> you know, the fit, it just, it just didn't feel right. But he was back. He was back the next week and the week after and the week after. And I sat down and talked with him one day and he said, you know, Kevin, he said, when I came in that first Sunday morning, I just had this overwhelming feeling that I'd come home. He's still there. He's still there probably about 12, 15 years later. And he had that sense of call. Why are you here this morning? I hope you're here because you sense that God wants you here. That in his own way he's touched you on the shoulder, he's whispered to your heart that this is for you. Why are you here? I hope you're here because you realise there's a work to be done. There's a gigantic work to be done and I heard Jonathan talking about it in the announcements this morning. There are times when people come into, into church life when they need to sit in the pew and just simply be quiet and be ministered to because they come hurting and that's okay. That's fine and proper. 
but most of us need to, need to roll up our sleeves and start to use the gifts that we've got because there's a mission field, there's a work to be done and we can only do it properly if all of us are involved. Back in the, uh, back in the 70s, we were involved in church planting and we were called to plant a church at Melton and also at Werribee with uh, Alan Nunn. But I can remember particularly at Melton, the first week we had 20 people come along to our chapel manse. The next week was the real start. We were down to about 10. And you know, as we gradually built, everyone who came in was involved. Everyone used their gifts. Everyone. Years later, I was called to be, to be part of the team at Blackburn where we would probably have of a, well, of a Sunday, we'd probably have about 1,500 go through. The numbers of those who were involved was a lot, lot smaller. A lot, lot smaller. God has gifted you. And it's only as we use those gifts that we can really reach out to the mission field that's there. So why are you here this morning? I hope you're here because you have a sense of call and because you realise there's a mission field. What is our work? Well, we are called first and foremost to, to get on our knees and pray. A friend of mine said to me recently, you know, he said, uh, he was in, in a church that we pastored many years back, he said, your wife really, really helped me a lot in my prayer ministry. And I thought, my wife? <laughs> I said, what'd she do, John? And he said, well... I remember back in those days, you were starting up early morning prayer meetings and I said to your wife, no, I can't come, I can't get up at six o'clock and go and pray. And I remember she looked me eyeball to eyeball and said, yeah, but you can go and play golf at six o'clock in the morning, can't you? <laughs> and, he, and he said, she had me, she was right. <laughs> and he said, it changed my life. We're called to pray. We're called to move out amongst those who are sick physically, psychologically, spiritually and to minister to them. That's part of our work. We are called to take the message of the gospel, the message of the kingdom, that the king has come, that this wonderful king of grace and of love and of mercy has come and that he simply loves people and he can, he, he's the one who, who gives life meaning and purpose. We are called to share that message. Now, we're not all evangelists. Very few of us are. But it's as we go out, it's as we build relationships with our neighbours, with our workmates and so on, it's as we invite people to come in that the body together can do its work, that the Spirit of God can present that challenge and can present Christ to people. And we are called together to do that. Do you do that? Do you accept your, your place? I hope so. You see, mission is at the very heart of God. What was the name of the lady who cleaned the school? Dorothy. Dorothy. The professor was spot on. He was echoing something of the heart of God that everyone out there is precious and important. But the sad truth is that people out there are lost without Jesus. Let me read to you a story as I close this morning. 
I believe this story was told by Gordon MacDonald. A Christian living in New York told about this encounter. He said, I came to know a neighbouring man, of, man of, another, of another race. We would often exchange words of greeting and symbol conversation when our paths crossed. Then one day I realised that I'd not seen him for many days. I found one of his fellow labourers at the job site and I commented that I hadn't seen Norm lately. They said he, he got mugged about 10 days back. He really got beaten up. It's really got to him. He's in a bad way. But we hear that within a week or so he'll be back. A couple of weeks later, Norm was back on the job site and I greeted him. I could see instantly that he was a changed man. His face was drawn and lifeless. His posture was slumped, he was beaten and he was beaten more than physically. I asked Norm if we could have breakfast the next morning. He nodded and said he'd come. The next morning when we'd finished our breakfast, I said to Norm, Norm, I'm looking into your eyes but I don't see any life. He quietly nodded, looking down, and I said, Norm, will you tell me what happened? Tell me your story. And he did. He described the horror of being attacked from behind by two men who pushed him to the ground, who kicked him, who stomped on him until he was virtually unconscious. Then they robbed him. He described how bystanders left him lying for many minutes until he finally regained his senses, staggered to his car, found an extra set of keys and managed to drive home. When he'd finished the story, I said, Norm, tell it to me again. He did. When he'd finished, I asked him to tell it a third time. With each telling, I could sense that he was flushing out the awful pain of the story. Now there were some tears. When he'd finished a fourth telling, I said, Norm, when my friends have trouble, the best thing I can do is to pray for them. I lay hands on them, on their head, and I ask God to wash away the pain of body and heart. And I'd, I'd like to do that for you. Is that okay? He nodded his assent. I went over to where he was. I held his head in my hands and began to pray. I asked God for healing, for his courage. I asked God for relief from bitterness. I prayed that he would be delivered from bad memories and most of all that God would put life back into his eyes. And when I'd finished, a man who seemed to feel that I'd saved his life hugged me. Months later... Norm invited Gail and me to his home for a family dinner. When we arrived, we realised that it wasn't a dinner, it was a banquet. Fifty family members were there. The food reflected his ethnic identity and it was delicious. I'd expected to eat, I'd expected to meet people, but I didn't expect the introduction that came at the end of the dinner. My family, he said, I'd like you to meet Gordon and Gail they saved my life. And he went on to tell the story of our breakfast and my prayer. He, the words he used and the things he told his family left me speechless. He remembered everything. He lavished his affection 
on those who came to his side when he was helpless. Why are we here? Why are you here this morning? Why is this church here in Modonga? What is our work? The emphasis on our. What is our work? What results are we looking for? We get the first two questions right, we can leave the last one in his hands. Let's pray. Father, there is no doubt as we come to your word that your heart is for mission. And there is no doubt, our Father, when we are honest with ourselves, that mission starts at the door of this worship centre. Our prayer this morning, my prayer for my own heart this morning and for the heart of each one of us is that we might see people as you see them. That you might give us an overwhelming love for people so that we may be able to be sharers of your grace and love. Lord, may your spirit continue to stir our hearts continue to stir within the life of the church, within the life of this church, that we may be in tune with you. Amen.